Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Operationalizing Business Process Automation with CEO of CAP BPM, Max Young. Max, welcome to the show. Thank you, Darren. Good to, good to be talking to you again. So, Max, this is like the third or fourth time we've talked. Um, I was really impressed with some of the things that you showed me on business process management and business process automation. I really like the approach that you guys took. But before we dive into that, Max, let's hear your background a little bit. Where do you come from? What led you to where you're at today? Sure, sure. So I am a failed academic. I was uh, studying for my PhD in mathematics, specializing in topology um, in the um, mid-90s. And I looked at my talents, which were meager, and I looked at the job pool for mathematicians versus computer sciences. And um, I walked across the street at Ohio State, and I got into computer science. Uh, specifically, uh, ended up finishing... Um, an undergraduate and a master's specializing in AI. Um, and then I, you know, I just started working in the computer field. I, I got the bug early on. I published a couple of books. I uh, actually helped um, with part of the Java language, the uh, DGK 1.4 regular expressions engine. I had a small, a small part to do with that. Um, and then, um, you know, I found myself at a small company called Lombardi which was around business process management. Uh, that was sold to IBM. I bumped around to a couple of other vendors that work in the same BPM process orchestration space. And about 10 years ago, um, I took the plunge and with some friends, we formed Capital BPM. Oh, that's awesome. I, what, a, what a great story, right? Mathematician found your way to the computer science realm like myself. <laughs> I started in double E actually. Okay. And I said, wow, I'm really good at this programming stuff. Let me go learn how to do it right. And I had some great teachers in computer science. Um, and I ended up uh, switching um, literally the last uh, year of college. I switched from double E to CS and finished my CS oh, nice. degree. Um, and yeah. yeah, that was crazy that I did that. What was I thinking? You know, you double E guys were the only ones that I was intimidated by academically. Like, I always felt like, um, no, like a chief nerd being a mathematician. And then, you know, you guys walked in the room and you guys just could do all the math we could do, but you could also do the engineering. Yeah. It, was, it was very intimidating. Well, hey, I have to tell you, I come from a company, Intel has a lot of double E's. They're not the best, they're not the best software engineers in the world. I'm just saying <laughs> Right. Because uh, and, and I learned that I'm I'm a total software guy. I'm not. In fact, even in double E, I said, I don't want to be like everyone else. So I took the power option. Why? What was he thinking? Because <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm not a great mathematician. I'm horrible at math. But I there was something I, I could really architect software really well yeah. and, and look at it tops down. And uh, it got me through some of my double E classes, my programming skills. Um, because the, the teacher was like, you really are horrible at the test and things, but this program you wrote that explains 
you know, uh, field theory on, on power lines. That's incredible. I'm like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll let you pass this class. That's kind of what my, my college career was like. So very nice. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but Max, let's, let's talk about why business process management. I mean, this yeah. is, this is kind of in that real weird realm of computer science where, Oh, it's not algorithms. It's, yeah. you know, um, but it's so important and so useful. But why did you choose that route? So there are two reasons. One is I've always liked algorithms. I've always liked systematic approaches to solving complex problems. It's the same reason I got into martial arts. You know, there is a way to do this thing. There's a way to throw a good punch. There's a, there's a way to protect your ribs when you're, you know, when you're boxing, whatever. I like algorithms. They give me a sense of security. And also, frankly, a sense of daring. I can get into crazy situations and trust the algorithm. The other thing I really like about business process management in particular is that it reminds me a lot of what we call uh, transformations in mathematics. So let's say you have this shape that's like really ugly, right? And you're trying to measure it. And you can't because it's got all these corners. What you would do in, math in mathematics is you would transform this to a different space where it's like a beautiful rectangle. And then you apply all the theories around measurements of rectangles and you measure that. You take the answer and then you translate the answer back. Right, yeah. So you take your problem to a domain where it can be solved easily. You get the, the value out of that and you bring it back. And that's what I really like about business process management. I can take all these things around, well, this system has got to talk to this other system, except when this event goes off and here's the escalation that we do, unless there's an interruption. And then sometimes we have a business rule that we have to apply and this is how we talk to this other thing. And rather than making that like a micro problem, like super complicated nested if statements that are difficult to maintain, it becomes this beautiful sort of flattened out problem that you can see and attack in stages, you know, like zooming in on Google Maps. Like here's where we need concentrated focus. And then you zoom back out and see how that fits into the big picture. I really like what you said there because I, I found that myself you do need a top level picture of everything so you can right. see how things relate to each other in proximity, just like in the map, right? Yeah. I can see a map of the United States to really understand where California, where I live is and with relationship to other things, I need to blow it out in order to get a feel for, Hey, how long is it going to take me to drive to Oregon? Exactly. Uh, right. I can see that same thing with business process. I love, I love that analogy. That's a great one. Yeah, that ability, I think that's something that you and I have in common. You know, I, as soon as we started talking, I felt like we were from the same tribe because that ability to be able to zoom out and zoom in and make sure that the line you're drawing is still true. That's the heart of, I think, enterprise architecture, right? I think that's really critical. And, and finally, I will say this. The thing that I really like about, um, okay, so... Minor tangent here. I'm really into martial arts. I've been doing it. I'm 51 now. I've been doing martial arts since I was like six. Oh, wow. And within the realm of martial arts, um, and I've got multiple ones. I've been beat up by a lot of people. Um, but within the realm of martial arts, there are like these 
Martial arts that are considered practical, like your judos, your boxing, your Muay Thais. Um, and then you've got ones that are a little bit more esoteric, like your Tai Chi's and your Aikido's and whatnot. Now, the thing that I like about the pragmatic martial arts is that they solve real-world problems, right? They, they have an effectiveness that is germane to the art itself. So, you know, I'm... My 50s now, I don't get into fist fights anymore, but I slip and fall all the time and my judo saves me, right? There's a pragmatic, um, there's a pragmatic aspect to it. In the same way, I like business process management because it is, fun, it is key to solving a business problem. We're taking all these theories and all these things that you and I learned through school and grad school and on the job, but we're making them subservient to creating a business platform that means that people get to keep their jobs and get bonuses and buy Christmas kids for their kids. And I love being a part of that. Without, without you know, uh, writing a love letter to capitalism, I feel that there is a true value that I provide to my community by making it easier and more consistent for people to solve common problems therefore giving them the opportunity to go solve uncommon and interesting and exciting problems. So this is, I, I like how you said that because it's not always the case with computer science that we can really attach to the way people work. Right. Right. And, and this is kind of that human computer interaction part. A lot of times we're actually creating more work for, for people with this, you're kind of turning it around. How do people work? Yeah. And how can we automate the things that they do that are, that are repeatable and, and mundane, right? So yeah. that we can make their, their work easier. And so they can focus more on more important things. I really like that. And you know, that's another thing that I, I, I'm really excited about. People talk about the threat of automation to mundane jobs. And that is a valid that is a valid critique. Automation is going to swallow up a lot of mundane jobs. Yeah, but look but at the jobs it creates though. That's yeah, you're you you read my mind. Because what it really does is it removes drudgery of open email, you know, copy I don't know, this field number 27A from Excel, put it into this other system, push the button, wait three minutes. It removes that and it allows people to step back and solve next generation problems, real problems that were hiding behind the mundane problems, but you never got to them because you were opening Excel and waiting three minutes. Right, exactly. And it, I mean, this revolution that we're seeing on on information automation and things. It's the same thing that went through with Ford when he automated automaking. Right. It's the same thing that we saw when computers were first introduced in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Right. Oh no. What are all those people going to do? It is true. We don't have typing pools anymore. Right. Yeah. And I can't even imagine because I grew up on, I grew up with email and in the oh, business yeah. world. I can't even imagine how would you communicate before? You'd call on the phone, you'd send memos. So right. someone would type something up. So, so much wasted time, but there were a lot of people supporting that. But if you look, 
those people are now empowered in more in, uh, yeah. powerful and more um, contributing uh, positions than they were before. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's created whole new, whole new industries around it. So I think we have to embrace it. Absolutely. Um, so let's, let's talk about embracing it. How do I operationalize um, this? Cause there are so many tools out there on business process automation or robot yeah. process, robotic process automation. RPA. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do I really make this happen now where I can actually use it effectively and repeatedly? Uh, so what was yeah. my first step? So great that man, I, I, <laughs> I really, uh, I love the way you, you approach things because your first questions are pragmatic. So um, what I would say is that the best way, so it comes back to the scientific method. The best thing to do is to articulate out your problem. And the way that we do that in my world, in the business process management world, is we draw little pictures. So can I share my screen and show you something? Absolutely. So there is a free tool like this called, it's called uh, the Comunda BPMN Modeler. You can download it for free. There's a company out there called Comunda. They, um, you know, they make this modeler. Uh, there are other companies that do this as well. I like Comunda's. I think it's a pretty good one. It's, um, uh, it, it's pretty clear. And there's just a little bit of notation that you have to learn. And it is this. You're basically going to be drawing steps that articulate out what the different systems are and how they work. So just a little bit of vocabulary. This will literally, this won't hurt a bit. It'll be over in about two seconds. So we have this concept of a pool and a pool kind of defines all of the interested parties in a process. So if this was like a hiring process, we would have like the candidate and we'd have the IT manager and we have HR. So the larger thing that you see in here outside is called a pool. The inner ones are called swim lanes, right? So let's say we're doing like a hiring process. We'd have a candidate in the swim lane, and then we'd have like HR. And you can think of these as sort of LDAP groups, right? People who are in a role that are allowed to do something. And then you might have like the IT manager. So now you start laying out your business process. What's the first thing that happens? Well, the candidate might apply, and, and you have to excuse me, my my spelling is atrocious. Apply for a job. And then, you know, from there, it goes to a next step, which is HR. HR might do a review. There's a there's a naming convention for how you do this stuff. You know, you have like a active verb and a noun, you know, but you might say something like review application. Um, and then you might have like a decision. These old diamonds represent decision. So if, you know, if it's approved, it goes back up. Uh, it goes to, say, the IT manager who might do an interview. And if it's not approved, it goes back to the job applicant to, set, to answer more questions, right? So here's like the first generation of this question. How do we hire people? Well, it's like this. Okay, good. Now, how do we make this more nuanced, more articulate? Well, maybe the interview process has, you know, uh, like a split in it. And, 
you know, this interview is actually like a technical interview. And then there's like a management interview. And each one of those has an opportunity to be approved. And then if it is approved, we go on. And if it's not approved, we progress. And we push so it back. I, I like, I like what forward. you said here. You start with the very top level yep. and say, what are the major steps into hiring a person? That's right. Right. And start there. And then you can start getting down into more detail after you do that. And a tool like this lets you do this pretty quick, it looks like. That's right. So you start sort of articulating out what this is. And this is not new to anyone like you and me, any, any architect, any business analyst. What's interesting about this is that when you draw these diagrams, it actually behind the scenes is generating XML. And this XML is runtime interpretable by BPM engines. So what that means is that as I'm drawing this diagram, this can actually become an executable process, right? So as I'm writing this down, I'm saying, oh, well, this is a special kind of task. It's a human task. You can see it's got a human component here. And, you know, maybe this one is as well. And then when we do a review applicant, maybe now we start to say, well, you know, we review the applicant and maybe we have an HR person that does the review, but they talk to, you know, like a background check system, right? So uh, check for job history, right? Or a criminal record. Right. Or yeah, so that's a that's a great one. So you would say and, and that's sort of the natural evolution of these things. You would say, well yeah, let's check for job history and also let's check for like criminal record, right? So uh, so check. far you haven't taken even if this is automated, you still haven't taken mm -hmm. the human out of the loop yet. Which is good, right? right. So this is this is augmenting the work that a human is doing is what I'm seeing. Right. But even as I'm doing this, what's interesting is you could say, boy, you know, the time of people is expensive and the time of machines is cheap. Why don't we do this criminal background check first? Right. And then if that passes, then we bring it to the HR person to review. Because if you don't pass a criminal background check, maybe we don't let you even get time from our guy, right? Right. So what you're really doing here is you are using this mechanism to describe your problem. And in the definite, and like most things in life, when you start thinking about it out loud, you end up discovering solutions, right? Yeah. And that's where things start to get kind of interesting. You're like, okay, well, now I understand that I'm probably going to need an integration with, you know, some backend system that's going to check for their job history and check for their criminal history. So you as say the business analyst or the, you know, the enterprise architect will say, um, you'll call up one of your solution architect friends and you'll say, Hey, how long would it take us to figure this out? you know, finding a system that we can afford that can do this sort of background check, right? So I'm starting to hack this problem together. I'm st and I get a little obsessive with my lines crossing, so I'm 
I'm trying to make sure that doesn't happen. This is almost like a, a fidget toy for me at this point. But you can see how I am looking for opportunities to do automation, right? So here I am. I, and I can easily see this in this diagram. Um, you right. know, using a using a BPM tool like this, it will it will scream, "Hey, this is an automated check that I could do." There's a service that let uh, let you do this sort of thing. Exactly, and this is actually the other part of it that's really powerful for, again, um, people like you and I, because we need to be subservient to the needs of the business. So the first thing that I'll do with this is I will run this by my SME, my subject matter expert, and I'll say, hey, am I hearing this right? Is this what we do? And, you know, he'll say, well, you know, it's kind of what we do, but it turns out that we don't want to do these things in parallel because, say, a criminal background check is really expensive, but a job history search is really cheap. So what we really want to do is we want to do these maybe sequentially, right? So we do the first one, and if it passes, then we do the second one. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the case. But what I no, am but saying, it's easy for you to make that change. That's right. And in making that change, I am building consensus. I am building rapport. I am building um, a true story about what's happening, right? Like Again, like the scientific process, it becomes progressively more true the more that you experiment with it. So now I start to tell this story, and as I'm telling this story, I'm like, okay, well, this, you know, this makes a little bit of sense. So I can come in here and, you know, I can put, like, logic into this. Like, let's just say for the sake of argument that um, I want to build this and deploy it. So I can actually take this thing and say, well, you know, here's a process, and here's, like, another one. And literally within a matter of minutes, I can have this deployed and working so we can see what happens when you go one way or you go the other way. So you're, you're telling me with if I use a modeling tool, and it's not a drawing tool. I want to make sure people understand that. That's right. This is a modeling tool. So it does let you draw pretty pictures, but right. it also simulates on the back end. So I can actually run this workflow or this process and see all of the different decision points and where they lead to. So I can check my, uh, that's exactly I can, I can right. Check my model. That's exactly right. And this is where this becomes uh, really sort of powerful because I can build this. Uh, I think I, I screwed up some of my logic here, but I can build this, I can deploy it. I can um, see it execute. And it's actually, what it's actually doing is it's yelling at me. And it's saying, um, hey, I can't actually deploy this because you didn't do it the right way. And what it's yelling at me All is, right, hey, so there you go. Yeah, it, it's helping you, right? It's Yeah, it's actually catching me. So it's saying, hey, you told me you were going to do some kind of integration here, but you didn't. So I'm not going to let you deploy this. Right. So now I can build this. And that was a su successful deployment. That's cool, Max. To finish listening to my interview with Max Young on business process automation, check out our next episode. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.